Welcome everybody to the first episode of the Nerd Nonsense Podcast. My name is JP and on tonight's episode I am joined by Roman on the Rocks and Calamity. Two guys that are fun to talk to. Being our first episode, we didn't even know what the title was when we recorded it and we were a little all over the place so I apologize in advance for the chaos of some of our comments and our trying to get a rhythm to the show. But I hope you enjoy it because I think we really hit our stride there and have some great conversation about comics and television and movies in general and it goes into some pretty cool places so check out the show i want to thank the maniacal geek for posting this on her website if you do not already listen to all of sam's wonderful content and read all of her wonderful articles please go out and do so and also want to do a special thanks to my friend jack chambers and his band monster city who provide the intro and outro music for tonight's episode um, if you get a chance, go and check out their LP. They've got a album with three tracks on there that you can check out, and you'll hear a little bit from their song, Reeling from Feeling, tonight. I hope you enjoy the show, and tweet to us if you have any suggestions or just want to give us some good props for doing a wonderful show. Hi, and welcome to a yet-to-be-named podcast. Um, hi, everybody. That was an awfully cheerful introduction, one that I wasn't even prepared for. Explosive, even. Explosive. Like, I, I, I started with a lot of enthusiasm, and then I immediately hated it. Um, anyways, so my name is JP. Um, if you have no idea who I am, this is going to be posted on the wonderful Maniacal Geek site, and you can go listen to some of the stuff we've recorded with Sam the Mani- Maniacal Geek and find out who I am. But otherwise, that's my name. I'm JP. Um, this is a podcast just about stuff. We're going to talk about some pop culture type things. We might get into some other topics as we feel so inclined, but um, with me is the wonderful Roman on the Rocks. Yay! Well, yeah, that's me, Roman on the Rocks. Yeah. I'm constantly and, drunk. <laughs> and because he knows a lot about alcohol. Dude. I mean, that's that's a valid talent, right? It is. I think so. We live in the generation where we're actually drinking more wine than the winemakers can produce. So I think that's a valid that's a valid skill set in our time. Truth. Would explain Truth. the geographical location he moved to. So uh, there's there's all the wine out there. See, there you go. And then, of course, the uh, Chris, are we just calling you Chris? Is that that sufficient? Yeah, I mean, I go by Chris. I mean, my, my Twitter has me as Christopher Calamity because that's uh, kind of my moniker. It's my, ga- right, also we'll my call gamer you Calamity. tag. So. It's fine. We'll do it. We'll call you. This is Calamity. Everyone say hi to Calamity. Okay. Let's tell me more I, about the subjects. Come on. Okay. All right. So, listen. So uh, this is the first show we're, we're recording for this. Um, it's been a while, but we we've podcasted all here before. But we're we're starting something new. We think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we're going to kind of see where it goes. So in terms of in terms of topic and conversation, we're going to try something. We'll, we'll if we like it and it seems to work, then we're going to keep doing that. And if not, then we'll try something different because that's how wonderful things are created. But um, today. We actually, I think, have a pretty good topic, which is um, we've got a, had a lot of news recently about various movies and films and TV things that are kind of popping up, and it prompted an interesting question. 
Um, so I think I'll throw the question out there and then we can begin to kind of talk about some of the news that's come up. Um, and the question is this, is our generation so infatuated with our own childhood and upbringing that we're, we're, we've beelined into making everything from our childhood new again, almost to the point of detrimental behavior. Um, and I, the, the sort of the events that have prompted this is, um, of course, by the time most of you are listening to this, this will have already been released, but tomorrow we'll be getting the Ghostbusters trailer. We also got an announcement today that, in it, I think it was today, right? That, um, or it was the first, so yesterday. Um, the Legends of the Hidden Temple, which if you don't remember, was an excellent little game show back when Nickelodeon did like tons of game shows. Um, that they're now going to turn into a movie. We're going to get a two-part Hey Arnold movie. We we got the trailer for Pete's Dragon. We've got Jungle Book coming out this year and a half a million of other things. And it just kind of poses the question. At this point, we're reaching pretty deep into the childhood um, experience here for those of us who grew up during the 80s and 90s. Um I, I have something to interject there, JP. Sure. Um, I think it might be less that we are so reminiscent of our childhood and more that in past years, um, there has just been just so much horrible lack of originality um, because if we took, take a look at like the last seven years in Hollywood – um, how many remakes could we count? I mean, how many rehashes or, or sequels could we could we count? Like, maybe we've exhausted looking to books for material, so now we're pulling from childhood for our for our subject matter at this point. Like, I don't know. I mean, if I'm just saying, if if Gods of Egypt is what we produce when we go for originality, um help us that's all i got i mean I, well listen no one's gonna argue that um i think gods of egypt has already locked up its spot in the razzies for next year i think it's just i think it's the crowning victor already and uh we still have a rest of the year to go so i don't know yeah i am saying like decide to you know produce another piece of crap <laughs> <laughs> Oh, poor Adam Sandler. Like, he should just give it up at this point. But you know what? I will say this. I saw where the, um, this past Christmas he did, an, like, a university or something like that type comedy special thing. And his stand-up is still good. He he may not be able to make a movie for to save his life, but his stand-up is still well, sound. Cl- clearly he can make a movie, though. It's just not a good movie. Like, granted... And, and and I swear this is the last time I'll use this one. It's not like a Gods of Egypt level bomb, but <laughs> it is like, I don't know, like, I, if I remember correctly, Pixels was in the Razzies for quite a few different uh, categories. Right. Yeah, it's, it's bad. But, uh, so let me ask you this, right? So you made the comment that, you know, we were turning back to these things. Now... The one thing I don't know that I agree with you on is the fact that we've we're not looking to literature because it seems like we're actually looking to quite a bit of literature. We've got Ready Player One, you know, it started production. Um, 
we've got, you know, I, I, they announced today that Ian McClellan will be playing Mr. Wednesday from the uh, American Gods. Um, did you mean McShane, not McKellen? McShane, yes, I, I did. I'm not, I'm not sure Ian McKellen would be around long enough to finish everything in the Dark Tower. I'm just... Well, it's not – it, see, now you went Dark Tower, but Mr. Wednesday is American God. Oh, that's right. So, Sorry, got it, got it backwards. Yeah. yeah, we're all over the place. But on the Dark Tower comment, we also found out that um, Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey are, have been cast in that. So I, I do think we are turning to literature. Um, a lot of these things tend to still appeal to the same demographic, I think, which is interesting. Um, it's it's clear that the nerds now rule the world, well, right? Like, no one's living in that illusion anymore, right? I I just you say we, you say we're turning to literature there, JP. And while I am while I agree with you to a point, I think that if the in some respects um, the author has to be involved in the movie making process to to make it a good transition because there is a lot of conversions from a book to a movie that don't work well as some um i mean obviously if we go further back the worse it gets like if we look into the past further it looks worse as m- when you look to the future it seems like the more and more we convert a book to a movie, they're staying more loyal to the source material instead of just taking that as a thought and then running rampant with it in movie form. So, but I think I like that. I think that's a good thing. Like, and and you know, I'll tell you the one thing where they are kind of just taking it and running rampant with like a small snippet is fantastic beasts and where to find them. Okay. And I'm okay with that Valid. because I mean, and to your point, JK Rowling is very involved in that, right? She's writing the screenplay. Yeah. And, but see, that's the thing. Like they're not really running rampant with that because they have her support in that. It's not like they saw that they took that and then they blocked her out of it. And they were just like, we're just going to do whatever the hell we want with this. And we want to do it to make money. Because it's it's in the Harry Potter universe, and we know it'll net big cash. You know, it's uh, I, I even heard, uh, I believe I read in an article that Fantastic Beasts is the first movie in a trilogy, in a new trilogy that they're doing. So. So let me ask this: um, of of the literature-based movies, which is the one that you think will do the best? So we've got the just just throwing some of them out there. We've got American Gods, we've got the Dark Tower, we have Fantastic Beasts. Um, I'm trying to think of what else are is we out. limiting it to movies, or are we including television in it too? We can throw television in there too. So, what of the literature-based stuff that's new that's coming are you most excited about? Um, well, I mean, there's a couple different ones. I mean, I haven't I haven't picked up the uh, I haven't watched the Tales of Shannara yet, but uh, from all the things I've heard, that is actually fairly loyal to the source material. Uh, I mean, which, it's a lot of walking. Because yeah, yeah. The source which, material feels like it's a lot of walking. So it's like the Lord of the Rings. 
but uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of excited to see where they'll take Game of Thrones because they don't they've caught up with the books, and so now it's all like virgin territory from here. Um, for a lot of people, um, and as far as like as as far as the movies go, I'm very interested to see how they do American Gods because. Uh, I had actually never read that until uh, James's wife keyed me into it, and uh, and I really enjoyed it. But uh, I'm very interested to see how they do that. Um, Dark Tower doesn't really hold much for me, so I'll I'll wait and I'll see what the results are. I mean, I'm a big fan of Idris Elba, and um, I liked Matthew McConaughey. And, Interstellar, so I mean, I'm 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 definitely willing to give it a shot, but it's it's not something that I'm going to rush out and be like the first person in line at the theater to to see. Um, past that, I mean, I don't know. As far as the conversions go, there's I don't past what you've listed. I don't I don't have a a spotlight on on many book to movies um no i think that's good yeah i mean so i'm i'm kind of in the same wheelhouse you are but ro we'll go to you what what is your take on it are are any of these particularly these you know movies or tv shows that are being pulled from the literature exciting you um uh, i it's hard to say um because i mean it it depends like because when we when we go these TV shows, movies from literature, I mean, that, that covers a broad spectrum of, of different shows, of course, because that even covers comic book movies, because that is literature. Um, Agreed. And so, I mean, I like what I've been seeing, like, in that realm. Like, I mean, Daredevil season two. Oh, my God, I'm stoked. Like, the first season blew me away. Jessica Jones, first season, blew me away. So I'm stoked about, like, a lot of the shows out there that are based in the comic book world. Um, as far as like, if we're going direct from book literature, I mean, we've ran a gambit with book literature to movies, to TV shows. Um, cause I mean, you can go back to the Dresden files that was done oh, on don't sci-fi. Do oh, oh God. I knew you were going to go there. And it was, and it was bad. It was really bad. Like if you had never read the source material and, and that's the thing. And like that, I think that's, what's kind of the shame is there's some of these shows that if, if you're a viewer who's never read the source material, there's a lot of people out there who will go, oh, I had no idea it was a book. And you're like, yeah, it was a book, and it was amazing, and now it's ruined. Um, sort of Truth. Oh, yeah. Like, Sort of Truth is a great, it, it is a great example um, because the books were really good. That was back before Good Kind apparently, I don't know, went insane and stopped writing good things. Um, but, like, it, like, that's a great example as well, like right with Dresden, where the source material was really only kind of used to support who main characters were. Like, that's it. Like, it was like, oh, these people are these people, um, and then we're just going to kind of do whatever the hell we want with them, regardless of what the creator would have wanted or whatever the case. And that's one thing. It's like Jim Butcher even has commented and said he wasn't really thrilled with what they did with his character um in that show like you know it's it's not the way he would have wanted the character represented he he wasn't a big fan of it um and so it took him a while to get his rights back and then of course you know he said he sold the rights to somebody else not that long ago a couple of years ago 
And so all of us are like waiting, like, is there going to be like an interesting thing? Is that, is that going to happen? Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a gambit. Like there's some shows um, that have proven to be really good. Um, especially like when adapted to the movies. Um, I feel like the Harry Potter franchise, I've never read the books. Um, all my information has always been uh, uh, secondhand. Uh, right? um, it's always been secondhand for my wife because she did read all the books. So there were a lot of times like I admittedly, and I even told her this not that long ago. I was like, I should really give the books a chance. I should sit down and really try to read them. I have a list of other shit to read on top of all of it. So who knows when that'll ever happen. But um it is one of those where it's like, I should give it a fair shake. But a lot of the time, like even watching them, it used to be like, I was really begrudging about it. And I was like, she was like, I want to watch a Harry Potter movie. And I was like, Oh, I would rather, I would rather drive nails through my eyes than watch Harry Potter again. Um, and as time's gone on and I've watched the movies more, I've picked up on different things here and there. And um, I've asked questions and it really is an interesting series. I mean, it's interesting, especially when you look at the evolution of the series um, in movie form, even in book form, like they evolve both in the exact same way. Cause, cause it's direct material where it kind of starts off like kind of kid friendly, not too bad. And then it really does take on like darker, more adult undertones as the books progress and they get to, you know, young, uh, more of a young adult um, uh, to adult kind of uh, mentality um, which I don't think is a mistake. I think she knew what her audience was, and she knew if she was writing these, her audience was going to grow with her books as well. Well, I also think that, like, with J.K. Rowling writing the, writing those books, like, she definitely wrote it for a audience that matures as they as they grow. Because I've been rereading some of those, and by rereading, I mean listening uh, to the audiobooks mm-hmm. on my on my daily commute to work, and. Um, I just reread the fourth one, and I forgot how brutal some of those parts in those books are. Like, it's definitely – you can definitely see kind of the difference a little bit in, uh, in in what the reading is potentially in, in London as opposed to what it is over here. Just right. it, it was very uh, – there was a lot of stuff that didn't make it into the movie that was just pretty intense, especially – like if you're if you're a little bit younger, but it, but I mean nothing bad. It was just it was a little unexpected because I remember right. the movie and then I was listening to the book. I'm like that didn't that there wasn't that there wasn't that either. Wow, and that happened. <laughs> so you know it's it, it's definitely if it's been a while, it's definitely a little shocking to see what the things that they've included. But she just does a she does really well a good character dynamic. So it really right. keeps you really keeps you riveted. Right. Well, and I mean, and, and that's and that's the thing is like, I think if you're going to do that, because we've we've seen other things where uh, let's take the Aragon series. Right. Oh. The books. The books. Are, oh, can we please not? The books um, like started Christmas. off in a really great place and then they made a movie and that movie was the worst piece of shit I'd ever seen turned no, out. In it, it, so it had bad. Irons in it and it was good until he died. <laughs> Um, and, and it was, it was just, it was so terrible, but I mean, we've seen other, other books like the hunger games. Um, that's a whole franchise that took off and it did really well. The Percy Jackson series, they started making movies out of those. And admittedly, like they weren't super amazing movies, but they were they're, pretty they're, decent. Like they're not they're bad. They're where the Narnia movies are, honestly. Like right. they're and, not super big, but they're, they gain enough that they make another one. Right. And see, and that was the problem is like Narnia started off really great. Like it started off really well. Um, really strong, 
Um, and then they lost their audience, like due to budget issues and just taking too much time between movies. Like their actors started aging quicker than they could produce movies to like keep up with the age of the characters in the books. And they weren't nearly as aggressive as as the um as the Harry Potter folks. Right. Well, can you, like and, they needed that kind of aggression for that. Well, and that's the thing is I think I think most studios um a lot of stu- like the successful franchises that do that where they they go book to movie, especially if it's a series of books to movie, those are the ones that find their success. Is the ones that they I mean they rabidly go after it. Like they really push it um to make these movies as quickly as possible to to keep up with, you know, where the books are, etc. I mean, that's what obviously like Game of Thrones has done fairly well. Like they've kept up with the books. But as said, like now we've ran into the problem of the writer hasn't finished the books and probably never will. Uh, like I, I've, I've really written that off. I haven't even read the books and I'm just like, yeah, George R.R. R. Martin isn't going to do shit. He can survive off the royalties for this forever. Like, yeah, thank well, you, HBO. So he doesn't give a shit anymore. I, I think he's been so involved with both A, helping with the show. And B, just going to conventions like Patrick Rothfuss, um, that he, you know, he hasn't had a lot of time. Like, cause I heard about like one or two conventions that he skipped so that he could do some writing on his book, but like, that's like right. two. But like, that's like, the thing is like, there, there's no reason they can't, uh, like as a writer, they like, they have the ability to say no. Nobody's holding a gun to their head and going, Patrick. You have to go to this con. You have but, to. But if you were an adult and you wrote something and then everyone wanted you to come to their convention for free, what would you do? Uh, give them the finger. Because um, – well, and that's the thing though. Even with that, I at the end know. of the day, if they want to write their book – because there is. There's the fine balance of loyalty to your fandom, I think. There's also – if you're going to be loyal to your fandom, they kind of want what you're producing. And that is loyalty right, in itself. There's there's a commitment to the work that you're doing. Like Sanderson does this very well. Hmm. He he's able to go to however many. I mean, they have a whole Wheel of Time convention just for the Wheel of Time series but, that he goes to every year. And yet he's. I mean, he put out two books in the span of two months recently. Yeah, JP. But the thing with Sanderson though is that he is like almost fanatically diligent about keeping his fans updated about what he's doing, which is amazing. Like not a lot of authors do that. Like some will have newsletters where they'll send updates and say, Hey, you know, it's been a while. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm working on. And Sanderson has like progress bars on his website that show you where he's at on his books. Like Stormlight threes at 60%. Like, you you get a feel for it, whereas like Patrick Rothfuss, like one of James and I's mutual friends reads Patrick Rothfuss and she's like completely disenchanted with him because she's not expecting his third book from his series to come out any time in the next, I don't know, ten years. So, I mean, Sanderson does a very good service to his fans by keeping them updated. He doesn't have to do that. But he does. But he's also producing at a level that keeps people engaged. I mean, he's putting out multiple books you, per year. He's writing short stories that are tur- turning into novels on you, wins. You say that, but 
how many years was it between Stormlight 1 and 2, JP? Do you, do you remember? It was a couple, but mm-hmm. we got other books in between them. No, it was like, I, if I remember correctly, it was about five to six years between the two of them. Uh, yep. Not going to look it up. Because they, uh, because he actually said that his producers wanted him to work on Stormlight 3 because they they did not want such a big gap between 1 and 2 and then 2 and 3. So... Okay, so it might have been like Wave Kings was published in 2010, which man seems like it was oh gee not that gee willikers. So it was about five years then, huh? And Words of Radiance, it was four years, 2014. So I feel like even I feel like it came out at the end of 2014 though. It was March 4th. Oh, okay. Well, still, but even now, four years, but that. But that's just it. Like, Words of Radiance, it seems like I – maybe because I've read it multiple times at this point, but it seems like that was just released, and it's been two years. Yeah. And for me, part of that with Sanderson is because he's not only writing the Stormlight archive. He's writing three or four other series. My point is that if – I think at this point, a lot of people get behind the author in as much as they do the book series. Like, it's not like when I was younger and we got into the Wheel of Time where that was it. Like, uh, that was the series I was reading. It didn't didn't matter about anything else. Um, Now, I'm more interested in the author. And maybe that's just because I've matured to a certain point. But it's true of me in comic books. When I was a kid, it was all about a particular character or series or something like that. And now I search for certain writers, right? Like Jason Aaron, I, I read his stuff. It's not always great, but I always read it because I like his humor, right? So I think it's just a matter of evolving as we grow. And to some extent, I think that's why some of these authors struggle because when their fans are younger, they're just like, they're committed to the series and whatever the series is, they go with it. Um, but at some point we like become functional human beings. Um, and we realize, no, this is a person who's writing this. And then we start analyzing the person. And that, I think that takes kind of the, the, the Wizard of Oz's curtain away a little bit. And we become more critical. And when you have someone like Sanderson who's just constantly putting out stuff, it 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 appeases us. That's true. Like uh, we haven't had a we haven't had a Jim Butcher in a in a about a year or so. And uh, like I I really like how his writing has evolved since he first started writing, because I've I've followed most of the things that he's written, and he, his writing has just continued to improve and adapt as he's moved on so that's that's always nice it's always nice to see that cycle up instead of cycle down like it did with terry goodkind where he wrote his series ended his his series and then restarted his series so he could end it again like that got very confusing for me so so um yeah no i think well i think terry Terry Goodkind's issue was it became like for me it became too convoluted to follow that world like it, it at times it even felt forced that it was all kind of in the same universe yeah. and 
it became difficult for me to commit to it in any true way. I mean, there's some fantastic books in there, right? But yeah, I mean, he has a, he has some really good books in there, but like one of the one of the issues I ran into with the Terry Goodkind books was the fact that he feels the need to rehash and re-explain that something for like six pages that you've already covered in like five past books. Like, I feel like if you're getting down to like you know if you, if you're so many books into a series, like, as much as, you know, it's nice to make it for somebody if they just pick up one of your random books. Um, I don't know. Most of the time, if you're reading a book series, it's because you've started at the beginning and you're working your way through to follow the saga, to so to say. You know what I mean? I just, yes. I mean, I can understand a small recap, but like a five to six page recap is, is a little bit long-winded for me personally. That's that's just my personal opinion on that. So let me let me ask you this because I, I want to go back kind of to our earlier conversation. Um, as so, um, Calamity and I are both big Sanderson fans. We're huge fans of the Stormlight Archive, and if you haven't read those books, um, even if you don't like fantasy books, they're just really well written. Um, obviously. They're for fantasy fans, but um, even if you don't, Sanderson is just a really good writer. Um, so let me ask you this, Calamity. How how would you feel? Because it runs the gamut, right? Like, Aragon was terrible. Mm-hmm. It was terrible. Like, reprehensibly so. But it has um, John Malkovich. How could, you, how could you call that movie terrible? Uh, I, it's <laughs> terrible. But then we've had things like, and I'm trying to think of, I mean, obviously, um, um, Harry Potter is a good example, but I'm trying to think of a really good. Hunger Games like, is another good, another good example of something that's been converted. Um, I would say the Divergent series is probably the best middle of the road you're going to get where it wasn't super big and it wasn't bad because it, it did function off of the source material but it's like it's it's mid well admittedly though and i never read the hunger games my wife is a big hunger games person i was a divergent person so i read the divergent series um and for me admittedly the divergent series on the whole is a middling book um it's it's not it's it's good it's not great and i feel like the movies are good not great well um so in that sense, it maybe it's a good example of of converting well because it kind of has the same feel, whether that's good or not. You know, it was a was a good. Uh, well, anyways. So that being said, I have a second. But wait, oh, so hold on. Go so ahead. that being said, understanding the gamut, how do you feel about the fact that I, I don't know if they'll ever make a movie from it, but DreamWorks owns the film rights for the Star- Stormlight Archives. They do, really. Yes, so... I was actually... Stormlight, I was honestly, JP, I think the Storm Stormlight would benefit the most if it got Game of Thrones HBO episodic treatment. I honestly well, feel and, that's the only way to flesh out all those characters enough. Because Sanderson puts a lot of nuance and a lot into his characters. I, I, I don't know if you could really explain all of them in... In, in movies, like you might be able to show what what makes certain characters tick, but 
I feel like if you, like like a TV series would be better to flesh it out. And uh, that was actually going to be my, uh, my 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 segue of sorts that I was going to ask you about you and James is uh, I don't know if either of you remember, but a while ago uh, they did a Mortal Instruments uh, City of Bones movie, and yeah. it did not do well. And no. being this is this is the other recurring theme that I think we've seen a lot in in Hollywood and and the 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 television industry is they will take a movie and they'll convert it into a TV show all the time. I mean, we have Minority Report, we have Limitless, we have lots of things, and they did that with City of Bones also. Like they they took that movie and like it didn't do so well, and then they've made a TV series out of it which from what I've been able to see is apparently doing a little bit better than the movie did, which maybe TV is just a better fit for that subject matter. Um, I won't, I won't get on my opinion of that particular subject matter because it's not real great, but I mean, have you noticed how we, not we, but how, how they have, it's like we need to turn everything into a TV series at this point. Well, so I'll, I'll start and then I'll hand it to Ro. Um, and let me clarify something from earlier. American Gods is going to be a TV series. It's on Stars. It's episodic. But I think that's good. That is Stars. Like, it, it, it will get. I know. It should do I know. justice to it. It's not like. It's, I'd be more concerned if, you know, American Gods was showing up on the CW. Like, don't get me wrong. Well, CW does great interesting things. Interesting that you say that because it's going to be the CW. <laughs> The lead, the lead characters from a CW show, the 100. Um, you know, so here, here's my take on that. I did really do think about. I really do think it depends on the source material, because um, I think that there. I'll give you an example. Um, Ready Player One is going to be released as a movie, um, and Ernest Cline's other book, um, and um, oh, and it just walked right out of my head. Andromeda, whatever it is, I forget. It rocked right on my head. But anyways, as much as I love Ready Player One, I really didn't like his other book. But that's because his other book is written like a Michael Bay film. And you can tell that when it, it when he was writing it, he was trying to, I mean, the Iron Eagle references and the book aside, he was trying to create a perfect candidate from a for a Iron Eagle-esque Michael Bay film. It just is. Um, and so... Movie director, is what you're telling me. Well, maybe he didn't have Michael Bay in, in mind, but when you read it, it's it's pretty obvious, right? Like, you just, you just get a sense. Um, and I think it really hurt the book, actually, because of that. But to some extent, I think that you... There, there's no TV. There's no TV series there. You could put one out there, and it'd be okay. But it, it's clearly a movie thing, right? Um, and look, at this point, Brian Fuller is doing not only American Gods, but he's also going to do the new Star Trek TV series. And I think that both of those are perfect for TV. I've always said that you know with the Wheel of Time series could never be done as anything but a TV series. Um, and a really, really long one at that. 
so I think it really just depends on the source material. Um, cause I, I, I think, you know, some things are perfect for that. And I think some things it would be forced. Um, and you would end up, I'm trying to think of a good example of, you know, so I, I'll give you a good example. Um, one movie that was turned into a TV series was Teen Wolf. And, um, when I first saw that they were going to do it, I was literally disgusted with MTV. Like, I was like, really? Really? And then I watched it. And the first season or two was really surprisingly well done. Like, I remember tweeting with friends of Roe and I from a previous time about, you know, how surprisingly good it was. Um, but it, it again, even as good as the acting is in it, and even as good as the tone has was for a long time, it gets to a point where this where it just it's just not it's forced and it runs its time because there's only so much even though they weren't even trying to pull directly from the source material it it wears off, and so the novelty wears off. And so I really think it just depends on the source material and whether the source material can stand up to it. Like I stopped watching Game of Thrones because I think it's too depressive. But even that aside, um, I am genuinely concerned that at some point Game of Thrones is going to run its course because at this point they can go in any direction. and I think they're going to have a really hard time with fans who have an opinion about where the story can go, and they're not going to write their opinion, right? That's not what's going to happen. Um, and I think they're going to struggle with that a little bit. Ro? Well, I mean, I don't know. It, yeah, it's it's a gamble on, on a lot of fronts, because we, we already see this in, in the comic book to TV genre. Um, where there's some shows that you pretty much have to take as an alternate universe uh, if you're going to survive it. Um, for example, Gotham. I can't stand the show uh, because I can't take my mind out of this isn't a Batman story because mentally I automatically go, you use the word Gotham. That means Batman's there. It's not even really a James Gordon story, right? And and th and that's and that's the thing is like that's that's how they they tried to sell the show initially was like, well, this isn't about Batman. This isn't about anybody else really. This is this is Jim Gordon's story. This is about his rise um, through the ranks of the the Gotham PD and how shitty and corrupt it was. Like this is him fighting through the shit to get to where he did. And I. But you know what, you, you know what, Ro, just before you go on, the one thing about that show that I think you're absolutely right on, but they've actually addressed is when they sold that show and season one was terrible, it was really, really bad. There was a few redeeming qualities about it, but on the whole, it was terrible because what did they do? They sold it as the Gotham slash Jim Gordon origin story. And is is not a good telling of that story. No. But what they did learn and what they totally committed to in season two is it's an excellent villain story. 
Well, yeah, and the, and and they did establish that from the from the the I think I got six episodes into season one, and then I just I was done. I was out. I was like, I can't do this. But uh, I mean, even with that, as I've discussed many times with many people, my wife, um, I I at least once a month go on a rant about it. Um, where, yeah, like Penguin. The story for that character in season one and the actor and his his delivery of that story was really great. Like, I, I truly enjoyed it. I was just like, this is the most developed character in the whole show. I love this guy. Like, I mean, he's he's going to be an asshole someday, like, truly. But I love this guy. Like, it's it, it was the best fleshed out piece of the whole series. Um. But I mean, we see that in even even shows like I know a fair share of people who, not a big fan of Arrow, um, like they they just they don't care for it, um, and it's because they're they're loyal to the comics, and so they're just like, well, the show's not really it doesn't really follow the comic, and I'm like, it's not really gonna follow the comic. Like this is this is still this is still Oliver Queen. This is just a little bit of an alternate universe Oliver Queen. This isn't what you're reading in canon and it's not going to be canon. I mean, thankfully it's not Smallville, um which makes me happy on so many different levels cuz Amen. I couldn't like, I I couldn't stand that show either, but like like I only watched every single episode of every single season. <laughs> but, but you can understand JP that like if if Arrow had the licensing issues that Smallville had, like oh well, we don't we don't want Clark to fly because we hold the rights on that, but we don't want you to do that in the show. You can't you can't call him Superman, so why don't you call him the Red Blue Blur? Like, if Arrow had like half of the hurdles that Smallville had, like that show wouldn't be nearly as good. Like, okay, well, so let me but let me address a couple of things there. One, I absolutely agree with you about the struggles of of Smallville. And I would also say Smallville went on too long. It just did. They were too committed to the characters. They didn't let certain characters die off the way they should. They it, it went on too long. The story dragged out far too far. Too, it, it didn't need to be that much story. But early on, that show was good. And that show was good for a period of time where the acting carried it. And I'm... Another show that we're where we're seeing where the acting and the tone and the storytelling is carrying it, even though we're getting characters I don't think most people are tied to, and it could potentially run into similar issues, is Supergirl. Mm, right. Yeah. And but that that show is good. The, and the thing I'll tell so it's interesting that you bring up um, Gotham Row because the the mid-season um, premiere just aired on Monday, mm-hmm. and it's the perfect example of everything that is wrong and everything that is right with that show. All in one episode. Because in one episode, and if you if you want to see the current state of that show, just go watch that one episode, and you'll be completely caught up on everything that is Gotham. Because... There is this story that centers around Jim and Bruce and all of the good guys that is crap, and it's terrible, and it's at times painful to watch, okay? And it, it's like Morena Baccarin, you cannot leave, you cannot get killed on that show fast enough, okay? <laughs> um, just get out. Get out while you can. 
you're you're now part of no 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 it, she she found uh, a show that hasn't been canceled unlike Firefly so now she's got to well, stick with it no she's now part of a almost going to be billion dollar franchise let her go do that no um, you better hold on to her and go I mean, it's, you know, it's the but, money maker but let me but let me say this. Hugo Strange is in the movie for all of 10 or 15 minutes. Okay? Episode? You mean episode? It, or, or are we talking about no, movie? I'm confused. 10 or 15 minutes of the of the episode. Oh, okay. Yes, I'm sorry. Um, and hold on. I'm going to – because I, 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 I'm going to forget his name. So let me – B.D. Wong. It's the guy. Yes, from Jurassic Park. Okay? He's in it for like 15 minutes. And it is amazing. It is amazing. Every second of him in it is fantastic. The nuance of the nuance that they have done with the Riddler's character and his progression this season has been fantastic. To see him go through a multiple personality issue and then embrace his dark personality and the psychoses that that happens there is just awesome and so the thing about that show and it's interesting and it goes back to your source material gotham the the, whoever is the makers of that show want to tell a dark psychotic dirty gotham story which is a valid story to tell in the realm of gotham city but they don't know how to write heroes right? and they're not good at it. And so they need, so when you watch that show, if you're watching for the hero story, you're going to hate it. If you're watching for the villain story, it is one of the best things on television. And so it goes back to the source material and your ability to interpret and take that source material is is everything. And uh, it's why I believe that no matter how good the Flash um, TV series might be, it's it has no chance of being, as, I mean, film series, it has no chance of being as good as the television series. Right. Uh, you, you were treading on some thin ice there, Jason. Yeah, I was about to come <laughs> to this microphone. Calamity was about no, 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 to no. lose it. No, no, no. <laughs> Listen, I went to yoga right don't, before don't this. assassin Greg I, Gustin here, right? I, I, w- I went to yoga right before this, and I still got yoga brain a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, by, but, by the way, JP, I was going to say earlier, I'm going to reserve judgment on Supergirl until I see my crossover episode, and then I will form a fully substantial opinion on it. But you know what? I feel like part of the reason I'm excited for that episode is because the tones of those two shows, I think, are going to mesh brilliantly. Like, they're just... He, Grant Gustin and um, Melissa Benoist, did I say that correct? I think I said that correctly. I Them being on screen together, that's, that's going to be like my new wh- – what is it when you like combine two people's names together? Like I want them to be a couple in real life. Married? Gonna be that good. <laughs> is, that, is that what happens when you well, combine Well, I mean it's – with those two shows, I think the element that cause, – because DC right now – in uh, primarily in their in their movie franchise um, of of the DCU um, has established like this whole dark gritty like 
establishment um, because that's where Zack Snyder slash DC is like, that's where we slash Warner brothers is like, yes, that's where it needs, needs to be dark and gritty. Um, which is so funny in comparison to things like Marvel, which is like, no, we like a little light, light humor. We're okay with that. Um, and the TV shows have kind of light been doing humor. that for a while. Like uh, Gotham, obviously a Warner brothers, DC property. Um, it's, you know, much darker Arrow. undertones, even just the color of it when you're watching it is all, you know, I mean, admittedly, it's Gotham. Gotham's, like, proverbially stuck in darkness most of the time. Um, and even in Arrow's universe, like, uh, Arrow is this very, like, everything takes place at night, and it's always dark. Um, it doesn't help that they record in fucking Vancouver, um, where, you know, uh, it, it's there's clouds and rain constantly. So <laughs> Sun comes out, like, ten days a year. Right. So, I mean, there's those things. And that that is the nice thing about The Flash and, like, Supergirl, is these are DC properties that shit happens during the day. You actually see them interacting during the day. Like, I mean, sure, in The Flash, like, and even in Supergirl, in a lot of cases, like, yeah, sure, a lot of fights happen at night. And part of that is uh, they've established, like, bad guys like to operate at night. That's just kind of their deal because they don't want the people to see them doing things. But there's been a fair share of episodes um, in, in a fairly – in a much larger amount than everything else where there's totally been a fight or a rescue or something in the day, in the light. Um, so it really it, – it gives – not only the characters are a little more lighthearted and they're they're very – nerdy and innocent and they have a lot of internal conflict in terms of personal conflict um with with uh the flash it's for the longest time it was like i just i just want to right the wrongs that were done and i want to get my dad out of prison and like that's that's my goal that's that's what i want and so he had his own personal conflicts with that and even as the character has evolved again he has a lot of personal like own personal conflicts in like I want a relationship, but I kind of do this thing where I save people and that puts people I care about in danger. And I've already seen what that can cost. The same goes for Supergirl. I mean, the stakes are always are always high for her because uh, the same thing. She has her adoptive family she cares about and she loves. Um, and then she has, you know, um, her her conflict over the fact that she is Kryptonian. And she remembers everything about her Kryptonian origin. Like, she, she was there. She remembers her family. She remembers the planet. She remembers the technology. She knows these things. Whereas, like, you have the era where Oliver Queen proverbially blames himself for everything. Way to the world. All of the time. Like, everything is his fault. He fails everything. Like, it's not just he has failed this city in his eyes. Like I have just failed the universe in his eyes. Like, and, and it's not so much of that personal conflict. Like I, I've been in, especially in this season, feeling less of the, a lot less of the personal conflict. Whereas it's more like, it's, it's my fault. This happened to you. It's my fault that this happened to you. It's my fault that your brother's a douchebag. And like, like everything keeps coming back to that. And this is like, it's, it's just, old so yeah i i agree i think i think that that mashup episode is going to be magic because both those characters are so similar in in the style in which they're being directed and those shows are being are being directed like it'll, i think i think it's going to be great it'll, so it'll be, I, oh, go ahead jp go ahead calamity i was going to say it'd be interesting to see if they do it as they did the first arrow flash mashup where they had the two heroes clashing against each other or if 
Flash and Supergirl are just going to team up, you know, out the gate, like, hey, I'm good, hey, you're good, hey, we've got a greater e- evil over here. Um, I kind of want to see a little mashup, though. Like, I really do, because because yeah. they're so lighthearted. Because even the Flash in the comics has that relationship with Superman, where the Flash is the only person faster than Superman, um, or, or at least equal, so to speak, as far as general speed goes. Like, he's the only one who can compete. So it'd be interesting that, to see, like, a friendly competition, so to speak. Not... They do that in Supergirl from time to time. Like, she'll she'll move somewhere to somewhere really fast. And, mm-hmm. like, y- y- you see little elements of her using speed here and there, but they don't really – they don't, they don't use it as, like, a linchpin is. for her. Right. No. And she flies more than she runs. But you know what – so, you know what's interesting, though, Ro, is that um, – and I don't know why I keep saying, you know, it's interesting. I think I'm going to listen back to this and really be annoyed at myself for that. <laughs> What's interesting, um, JP, is uh, how much you say, you know, it's interesting. I know. So I think that Berlanti and his team have really grown up over the last four or five years. Because he, as much as I think you're right, the whole blaming himself for everything is not working out quite the way I think they are. It is they want it to be. They've learned some lessons, right. and you can see it with Supergirl, and you see it in the Flash, and you can even see it in DC Legends of Tomorrow, which, with all the characters there and all the light-hearted folks and the less light-hearted folks and the like, grim stuff and the dark tones, but also kind of the humor and the the like the stabilizing body that is um, Captain Cold in that whole gig. Yeah. Um, it, they balance it very well. And I think that's his team learning how to do this. And to some extent, they've taken those lessons and quite made, quite literally made it the focus of this season of Arrow where he's been stepping out of into the light, right? Like they, they took this thing like, okay, we've made Arrow too dark and it's not working for us. So not only are we going to try to change that, we're quite literally going to address it in the show, right? Um, and I think that's his team growing. And what's, what's exciting about that is for a long time, going back very, very many years, with the exception of some of the animated stuff, my, um, my trust in the WB's ability to honor the DC characters has been – at points almost irreparably damaged shaky at best like it's shaky at like me and me and me and roman have had this conversation where we we compare marvel and dc as far as marvel really is on on point with their movie game and dc is making seems like they're doing a lot better with their tv game but their movies just suffer uh, horribly um nine times out of ten well, and I think I think they are trying to address it. I just don't know that it's working because I think for the longest time when it came to – so case in point, Calamity read oh – God. He read this like script that was the, the, that was like the basic plot point of a Superman movie. 2004, Superman versus Batman Asylum. It was – it like hands oh, down. Oh, was the one that was going to have all like the, the OC stars in it and stuff? Was it that one? I, I, it was, I don't actually know what they had for casting. This just had bits of the, the script. Now, they did say that it was one of those hypotheticals floating out there, but 
I'm, I'm really there's, glad it stayed hypothetical because there was yeah there was there was there was a little too much a little too much detail in in what they had for I mean I I could see WB going forward and trying to do something right. like that. Well, but and as, so like he read it to me and and like the guy who directed it or or, or was who wrote it sorry who wrote it was the same guy who directed uh, I believe it was directed he directed or he helped write Batman Forever. Batman and Robin. That was the guy who they had fix it. The first guy that oh, wrote it was that's the right. guy okay. that wrote Seven. So it's not like they went on this huge like graduation. And that's the problem is like the DC the DC movie universe for the longest time hasn't hasn't really had a lot of other heroes. Like it's basically been Superman movie, Batman movie, Christopher Reeve Superman movies, Batman, all kinds of different people playing him. And then finally, like, they tried to do a different Superman. They used Brandon Ruth, and I feel really bad for Brandon Ruth, uh, but simultaneously, that, that movie was terrible. He's such he a better tried Adam. So hard, He's such though. a better Adam. <laughs> he tried so hard, He did, though. and the thing is, is I don't and think the they fact cast that Kevin poorly. Spacey was the one who ruined that movie, like, hurts my heart every time I think about it. And that's the thing, is, like, I don't think... I don't think they... I don't think they cast poorly with, like, the choice of Brandon Ruth as Superman. I think, look-wise... He had the whole look. I mean, he, he fit well. He's pretty. Um, you know, like, all of that was fine. It was just, I, I mean, the script was just terrible in general. Like, when you go back and you really, like, like you analyze the dialogue up. in that movie, it's like, this is just, really? Like, Soups was, like, a fucking, like, like at the end of the day, he was, he was, a, he, he was you know, the dad who left his kid because he didn't know. And then, like, I can't have a relationship. Like, what? What the shit? Um, like, that movie's so all over the place. Um, but I mean that, but that's been it. I mean, that's, that's been everybody's experience in terms of Superman movies. It was Christopher Reeves, which was a Superman much closer to uh, like the bronze um, slash kind of silver age Superman for the most part, mostly bronze age Superman um, where it was very like, you know, the hero who saves the day. Ha ha. Um, where, whereas like in the Batman franchise, I mean, we never had – well, technically, no, I, I take that back. We did. We did have Adam West Batman movie, um, which was just as terrible and corny as the rest of the show, which which is admirable. Like, I, I still – it holds a special place in my heart. It always will. Um, but that's all we had. And now they're trying to explore and – that, and that's what I think angers me so much is now they're trying to explore other heroes. Like, I mean, they started with the foundation of, like, we've always done Superman, Batman. We should make another Superman movie to, like, kind of, like, catch up to the times. And then we should do like a mashup of like Superman Justice Batman. League. We should do that. Um, like and so and so they they're making the Superman v Batman movie, and it's either going to be great or it's going to be terrible. I'm starting to predict that that the first. I'm starting to predict that the first two acts of the movie will be semi decent. Like they won't they won't be bad, and then we'll get to the third act, and too much shit's going to happen all at once. Listen to this up. Listen to this optimist. He thinks it's going to be. I just, I just think, I, like, and that's the thing. It's like I don't think it's going to be a problem with Ben Affleck. I don't think it's going to be a problem with Henry Cavill. I don't think it's going to be a problem with Gal Gadot. I, I don't think it's going to be a problem with any of these people who are in it. I think we're going to suffer from Spider-Man Three syndrome by the third act. I think. Agreed. All these things are going to show up because we're already at a point where we know that we're not going to get just the conflict. 
of Batman v Superman. Like we're we're not gonna have just that. And that's the thing is like if they had laid that out, if Zack Snyder said that's all this movie is, Batman versus Superman, Dark Knight versus you know the the, the alien from another planet who's who's you know the hero so to speak. Like great, I'd have been all about that movie. I'd have been about a Frank Miller's Dark Knight movie happening on screen. I'd have been totally okay with that. But the fact that we've seen in a preview that. Um, they're going to introduce Doomsday, and it looks like they're going to do it in a really shitty way. Um, just from the premise of like, oh, we have Zod's body. I was like, no, no, we've done this. We did this with the Hulk. No, don't do this again. <laughs> um, so I bad. mean, I want to, I want to, I want to toss one thing out there. I, I worry, as you said, Roman. Like, I, 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 I foresee this panning out, like you say. But I also see that the only people that will be able to track what's happening in the movie and who is who is going to be those intense, you know, those intense nerds that know all of the characters. Like, I mean, we're slated for what? Aquaman to show up, Flash to show up in that movie. But, like, how much screen time are they really going to have? How much, you know, explanation are we going to get on those characters? Like... Well, They're yeah. just going to pop up and be like, hey, surprise, I'm well, here. And that's what I'm ability. saying. is, I, I, I th- That's why I think by the time we get to the third act of the movie, there's going to be too much. Like, it's just too much. Even if it's too little, it's going to be too much because it's going to be, oh, well, as we've already seen from the preview, the preview kind of has given away the premise of the whole movie. Like, that's what kind of – I think that's what really kind of just grinds my gears a little bit is – I hate when movie trailers give too much of the movie away. Like, give me enough to get me interested, but don't tell me what's going to happen. And that's the thing. We already know what's going to happen by the trailers we've seen. We know that Batman and Superman are going to meet as their mundane human characters. Like, they're not going to meet up as the heroes that they are right away. They're going to meet up as Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne. Um, they already are kind of grinding gears. They're not like, oh, hey, immediately, we're like great friends with each other. Um, so there's going to be that. Lex Luthor is, is, is going to clearly in some way manipulate Superman into fighting Batman. Because we've seen that in the preview. Like, you know, the, the, the god amongst us versus, well, you know, the bat. I actually um, I, I want to interject there because I, I think that might be some just for ploy because – if we if you watch that trailer, you see Alfred numerous times try to talk Batman down. So it clearly looks to me like Batman's the one instigating this against the Man of Steel. So if anything, well, he is like, but that, would, that's the thing. That we, we know that because later. we know that he is, so to speak, instigating against Super because he has every intent of bringing Superman down. We know that, and that's because of. Um, so to speak, miscommunication of information. Um, nobody's talking to each other. Nobody's had a conversation. Uh, Bruce Wayne just saw, you know, Superman fight Zod and destroy uh, an entire city. Um, and one of the buildings that was in the mayhem was owned by Bruce. Um, and people he knew and cared about, employees, were in said building and died. So he's pissed. He's just like, this guy, this guy killed people I knew and trusted. And now he's got to go down. Like, we know that's the premise. So it's, it's, there is that, but Lex Luthor's like, he's like, he's like Jerry Springer. Like, here's a knife. Do something with that. Like, he's instigating, furthermore, this conflict between Superman and Batman. This, this, 
this is my concern. This is my this is my big concern is uh, to use a very crude adage here. Um, if you look at what Marvel did in the lead up to their Avengers movie, um, they did not quite everyone got their own film, but they did a lot of single film to they, they built a lot of anticipation. They built up towards it. They caressed it gently as they led up to it. And uh, I, I feel like DC with this justice league movie is just going to ram that home with like no forewarning. Uh, right. No, no, well, no and, yeah, it's just, it's, well, and that's I, why I'm saying, I think by the third act, as we have seen from the preview, it looks like the third act starts at the point where Batman and Superman don't resolve their conflict. Potentially, yes, Superman saves Batman from ultimate destruction. Simultaneously, Wonder Woman steps in and saves the both of them because Wonder Woman, why not? Um, and then at some point, as said, like we're gonna get we're gonna get Aquaman. We're gonna get um you know, potentially the Flash. It's rumored, there's nothing confirmed that he'll show up, but we know for certain that we're probably gonna get a peak of uh, of Aquaman. Um I, th- I thought I read that they had confirmed that the, the Ezra kid was in that as, as the flash I, uh, at the very least uh, as just a small small role but i thought i read something that confirmed him in batman versus right superman um it's possible um i don't, I don't know for certain um i mean obviously we're gonna have the doomsday conflict which is interesting because doomsday is the only fucking thing that ever killed superman so are we gonna see death of superman so are we gonna transition from like the frank miller graphic novel of like the dark knight returns I'm going to beat the shit out of Superman. Are we going to see a transition from that to death of Superman? Like at that point, like too much is happening. Well, too many things are going on. And there's the people like my buddy, Paul, I guarantee it. He's going to be the guy who's going to watch this fucking movie. And no matter what, almost no matter what, I almost guarantee he's going to watch this movie. And he's gonna be like, that was the best movie ever. That was better than man of steel. I'm almost certain of it. I'm almost positive. That's going to be his perspective. Um, and there will be no, there will be no tolerating him. There won't. I, I, I might actually have to like stop being his friend for like, I don't know, a year or two, uh, to let it like just calm down. And even then, I don't know if that's enough time. Well, um, I mean, one of the things is, I don't know, like they, uh, just the entire basis of this movie, like going from an origin story in Man of Steel to the death of Superman in the second movie, right, feels a bit rushed. I mean, that that feels well, yeah. like a Zack Snyder special to me. Well, and that's why, like, kind of where I was going, and I I went on a giant tirade. Um, <laughs> where I was kind of going was, we have all these characters, like Batman and Superman, have always been the crux of the DC movie universe. Like, we've always had movies for them, but we have this huge opportunity now. DC has this huge opportunity now with these heroes that they've never done movies like real movies for um, to do something new and different and inspiring and light and amazing. And they're totally like saying that they're opting for nope, dark and gritty. I mean, we've even seen shots from the new preview where uh, wonder woman is, you know, riding a horse or she's traveling. And again, the scenery itself, it's just, it's dark, it's drab, it's depressing. And it's just like, you have this huge opportunity to like have these heroes in the light. And it confuses me. It confuses me deeply because the comics aren't that way. The comics, like, sure. There's a little, well, more, there, there's a little more realism in terms of like how the characters humanly react with one another and the world. But even like on the scale of art, like 
shit happens in the day. I mean, like, if we look at DC, like, the DC Universe animated movies, uh, like, any of the Justice League movies, a lot of those, they're actually in the sun. It's not pouring rain. It's not dark and drab. Not all the time. Like, and, and so I don't understand this choice by DC to, like, really hammer this home. And I and I do feel like Zack Snyder is part of the reason for that because he says how he's such a loyal fan um, to the comics and he's such a huge fan of like Frank Miller's The Dark Knight. So obviously he's pulled a lot from that for the new movie coming out. Um, it makes me nervous though, since he's producing a number of these other DCU films that are going to be coming out. And so obviously I, you can, if, I feel like he's putting a lot of his influence towards what he likes into those things and that's where we're getting like this much more dark drab universe outside of like marvel where we're seeing a little more lightheartedness a little more jokiness which could change with civil war could totally change well you know the 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 one thing i would tell cw about because i completely agree with you right about everything you just said um i actually i'm not opposed to them killing off the superman um but that's not probably for the reason that cw is <laughs> thinking I'm not opposed to it. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. Like, see, DC, I just want to point out, um, you you went the dark route with the New 52. How'd that work out for you? Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're rebooting the entire universe again because that didn't really work out the way so, you were hoping. Fresh my memory, JP. Uh, what, what What is our reboot counter at for Marvel and DC? Like like, oh, like like how I don't that, know. I, mean, I I've only been alive for thirty three years. Right. I don't count. <laughs> well, Marvel. I um, know right now, Marvel. Marvel either has or is getting ready to do a reboot to their universe. They just did. Okay. Yes. They um, just did. Which my understanding reboot. is, Marvel doesn't do a reboot to their universe quite as frequently. They do. No, uh, Marvel doesn't around? really do. Marvel does realignment. Right. So there's some it it's like what DC used to do back in the 80s where it wasn't it's not always a complete reboot it's like one event triggers a significant realignment um where DC has gone the full just reboot method of late um and I don't know much about rebirth but I I'm thinking it's in the same same lane um but how did that work out for you DC. I'm just I'm just asking. Right. How has that worked out for you? I get it. I I understand. You try to do lighthearted with the Batman movies. Um it, you know, back in the the 90s, it didn't work out for you. You went dark with the Batman movies in the aughts and it 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 you you made a ton of money. And I get it. So now you're trying to now now you think you have the recipe for success. Let me tell you, it's not. Well, JP, not. JP, JP, I think they feel pressure from Marvel too. Though is the same thing because like they, they they had the Nolan trilogy that made the money, and then Marvel like exploded with all of their movies, and all of their movies were doing phenomenal. I mean they they haven't really. But had you want to know what a real solid bomb. You, you know what? But you want to know the the thing that the Marvel movies have figured out is you have to diversify. Right. Well, and they've got everything like I am not I am not grouping um, Deadpool in with the Fox Cinematic Universe. Not it, it 
because it belongs to the Fantastic Four, JP. You need to accept this. <laughs> no, they're no, friends. I'm not. Because, and you want to know why I'm not? Because Deadpool's the first one where Marvel said to Fox, "Yeah, you're going to make that movie, but we're not letting you do it in isolation." Right. And um, and what has what has happened? Hey, Fox, how has that turned out for you? And I'm now I'm really excited for the Spider-Man movie. Right. Well, because like, we're I'm, all expecting the same thing out of that. We're expecting like this fine, like like this this partnership. Because that's the thing is, at the end of the day, as fans, we don't care who has the fucking rights for the movies. No. All we want no. is a good movie. That's what we want, and we want it at this point because we know that the MCU is doing really well. That's all we want. We're like, make make it part of this. Why would you not take up the money bank? Like, why would you not share in part of the money bank that is the MCU right now? Like, why would you make that foolish mistake? Which clearly, Sony Sony found out. Like, they tried to do Amazing Spider-Man, and Andrew Garfield, hands down, was a really great Amazing Spider-Man, Peter Parker. I enjoyed him immensely. And a very good Ultimate Universe. Yeah, Spider-Man. and 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 I I liked him a lot. Um. And that's the thing is, like, I love the fact that, like, Sony finally, like, after movie two, which just crumbled so horribly, and I know why, because I watched it, and I went, yeah, no, this is terrible. Um, (laughs) But it was one of those where, like, Sony finally figured it out. Like, they finally put two and two together, and they're like, why are we being so stupid about this? No, they didn't. No, they didn't, because they went and made another Fantastic Four movie. Nope. Was that Sony or was that Fox? Oh yeah, it might have been. I think Fox, Fox owns might... the rights on on Fantastic yeah, Four. Yeah, you're you're right. You're right. Um, Fox and... does own the rights on Fantastic Four, JP. And so, you're so right. Sony finally like kind of got smart and went. Clearly, we're not taking this franchise in the right direction, and we want a piece of that money check. Um, and so and so they partnered up with Marvel Disney. Like, there's no reason not to. It's already a Marvel franchise. Like, I, why that's... not? That's part of what I wonder about, though, Roman, is I wonder if somebody actually got smart on that side and said, we should do this, or if it was, you know, Marvel stepping in and saying, hey, like, right. this well, is originally it ours. It could have been could... Marvel Disney, like, stepping in and going, hey, hey, fuck face. You're doing shitty with this, and you should really. And that and Spider-Man's too important to do shitty with. It, it, right? it like... is, like, especially in the context of, like, how Spider-Man is used in, in, the, Marvel, in the Marvel universe. Um, he's a really important character. He's an, he's an original, like he was one of the first in the Marvel hero universe, um, in design. Um, so he's, he's very pivotal in that. And, and the fact that that franchise has struggled so hard is really saddening. Well, yeah. I mean, amazing Spider-Man two is just like Spider-Man three, like those, those two suffer similar, similar problems. Right. Um, well, and that's why like the way Marvel handles their, their reboot, uh, in their franchise, so to speak, works out so much better is because, as, as JP said, it's more of a realignment um, where they go, okay, we've we've kind of gone way the fuck off the path that we orig- originally intended, and we need to we need to bring it back down. We need to center back on this, but they don't restart anything in terms of like, oh, that just didn't happen. Now it's this, which is the problem I think DC's had because I mean, a- again, like DC. How did that work out for you? Like, you saw how upset you made people with the new 52 reboot. And, I mean, yeah, sure. Was it an opportunity? Like, did you get a hide behind the excuse of, like, well, this is an opportunity for us to bring new comic book fans in. Like, to, br- to, to really rein people in. 
that have never really read comics and to kind of like start fresh and start new. They don't really need to. All you need to do is go back to, I don't know, the crux of the characters, get back to the root of the characters to get people interested in reading them. You don't need to start all over and like completely just rehash a character um, to do that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I obviously I don't I don't. I don't unfortunately follow comic books super exclusively, mostly because if I start, I will I will burn through so much money, and I can't afford to do that. Just gotta do, do the Marvel digital comics. It, that's still a lot of money. So, like the, I don't a, get out monthly, of the money thing. It's a monthly subscription thingy, like uh, like uh, like GameFly in essence. Again money thing so so lower your game fly one game and then do the marvel thing and then you can have the I best can't do that books. video games are well, far too important to me well let me let me ask either you guys. way uh, either way let me say this the thing going back to my original point and and i was wrong and i've looked and i've researched and i i will correct myself when i'm wrong so people who are on the internet you can bully me but i'm <laughs> gonna correct myself relish in this um kevin feige was rumored to be participating in De- in deadpool but was never and there's a clear separation there but let me let me tell you this fox while still not getting it right with fantastic four something's going on there where they're starting to get it because the last two x-men films and deadpool have been so much better than what they were putting I, out before i don't have a lot of faith in in, in x-men apocalypse truthfully but uh, i don't either what i was it, gonna say looks, what i was gonna say jp is uh I have a I have a fundamental question for both of you. Um, it, it's more of a hypothetical, but with how both Marvel and DC are doing, um, if I had to look at it just straight from everything I see on the left and the right hand sides here, with like one on the other and the other one on the other, um, do you think that one of these companies is going to grow so big that it eventually is able to absorb the other. Like, obviously that's not DC right now because they're, while they're doing well on television, I feel like the big money is in the movies, which is why they're trying so hard to, to make these, you know, movies that will make them lots of money. Like that's why they're pushing the justice league. That's why they're, you know, really amping up on Batman V Superman. Um, And with, Marvel getting the backing of Disney, like they've pretty much that they're, they're a huge juggernaut now. Like there's really not much that could stand in their way unless like you know something bought DC that was equally as huge as Disney. Which I, my me- my memory fails right now. I can't I can't think of anything as China. If China bought DC, uh, maybe there was there'd be a chance. Well, and I mean and. I mean that is an interesting point because I think many of us belonged for b- believed for so long that something like Disney, which is already a huge corporation, um, their fingers were in everybody's pies um, long before they acquired Star Wars, long before they acquired Marvel, <laughs> long before any of that. Um, a big part of that's Eisner's fault, um, as I so learned when I worked for Disney once upon a time. Um, because they, at that time, were monopolizing, and so they're like, we need to spend money, buy a few franchises, just a few franchises, 
so we can distribute the money a little more. Um, that way we're not like it's not all invested in like one spot. And so Eisner bought everything. He went he went purchase crazy. Um, so I mean everything. Um, it, it's ESPN, ABC, um, Bravo. I mean like I I you really can't name any network or anything on the planet and it not in some way be associated to Disney. Um, so. Yeah, it's not a six degree of separation thing. It's like a three degree of separation. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, you remember that one movie where 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 Kevin Bacon worked for Disney? Yeah. Well, and in a world where people went, okay, they they have they have Star Wars, um, you know, like people people for the longest time were like, there's no way J.J. Abrams could direct both. And the thing is, is I don't think J.J. Abrams couldn't have directed both. I think he could have done Star Trek, and I think he could have done Star Wars. I think he totally could have pulled it off. I think he decided creatively, yeah, that if he pulled off from one, he could develop more of his creative time to the other one um, and make a, a, a much better movie than trying to split his time between the two of them, which, um, which was gonna, a smart move on his part. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Justin Lin behind Star Trek Beyond does not give me faith. Um, actually, I like Justin Lin. I'm, it, I'm actually pretty excited you, about it. You saw the trailer, right? I did, uh, but I saw the trailer for the last one and I didn't think it was going to be that great. That's fair. Um, that's fair. But so, so, I mean, could DC, could the wheelhouse of DC end up under something as big as Disney Marvel? I I won't ever say it's there's no chance, there's no possibility because there absolutely I think is a possibility someday of that potentially occurring, and it would be interesting to see how that evolution would change if it would change with DC because that's the thing is like that's what Disney's done with the Marvel property. Disney bought Marvel, sure, and they have a little bit of influence, not a lot. For the most part, they've told Marvel, you just keep doing you. You're doing everything we love because it's making us lots of money, and we really like that. So whatever you need, like if you you need a big budget, you just pretty much tell us what you need. We're going to throw the cash at you. You make it happen. Um, Marvel has that with Disney at this point. Like that's it, it's it's unquestionable in terms of a movie budget. Like if they say we need two hundred million to make this, Disney's gonna give them two hundred million, no questions asked, uh, because they know that that movie is gonna turn out two hundred million and then some. So they're gonna make their money back and they're gonna gain profit. Like that that's never a question. DCU, that's the thing is DC. It, it's hard to say because none of us really know how much Warner Brothers is saying, do this. And DC's going, but we don't like that idea. And Warner Brothers is going, we don't give a shit. We're your money guy. Do this. We don't know how much of that is actually happening. Um, or if it really is DC at the end of the day. Or if it's Warner Brothers going, like Disney, going, here's money. Make us something great, Zack Snyder. And Zack Snyder is, you know, cranking out whatever kind of polished turd that he's cranking out. I mean, visually, yeah, the guy makes good stuff. Like, he really does. In terms of visual effects, it looks good. Um, you know, he, he doesn't Michael Bay it. Um, he uses great CG, and he uses it in a good way. But at the end of the day, like, he's not cranking out amazing quality movies. Like, he's only had a handful of those that I was just like, yeah, 
Like, this is probably one of his best works. Like, that's good. Other than that, like, he hasn't really done anything great, so it's really hard to say, like I said. Is Warner Brothers just throwing money at DC saying, make something golden? Because at this point, DC hasn't cranked out a golden goose. They haven't done what Marvel's done. They haven't cranked out these huge blockbuster hits that are making millions of dollars every single time they hit a theater. That hasn't happened. Um, they've only made a handful of movies and some of them have done really great. Some of them have failed on an epic fucking level. So it's kind of helter skelter. Like, I mean, we've had some Batman movies that have been like Lionsgate quality Batman movies. We have had some movies. Um, I can't say for Superman because it's an, it's, it's an unfair genre at this point because Christopher Reeves will always hold a special place in my heart. He will always be the epitome of Superman in my eyes in the movie world. Because unfortunately, but even if you go back and really watch those movies, if you compare it to the source material, so you're 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 right. It's it's very Bronze Age, but not not particularly great. No, no, not particularly great. It's it's one of those. It's like Adam West. Like it's corny, but it'll always hold a special place in because my heart. Because you watched it as a kid. Right. Uh, it was one of those things like like back before like the kids growing up now, they have all these wonderful like, superhero movies with the fantastic CG. We didn't have that growing up. Like we had a very limited amount of comic book material on film and Christopher right. Reeves Superman and Adam West Batman were were, were some right. of the few. Well and and the and the great Superman that was supposed to be for us was Superman Returns. And at the time when I was younger, sure, I thought it was a decent movie. I was just like, yeah, no, this is fun. It's okay. Because I was young and stupid. Um, in my adult life, re-watching it, I went, this is not nearly as good as I thought it was. Like, it really isn't. Like, I mean, there's some cool effects. There's some cool, interesting things they kind of could have done here. There were some opportunities that were definitely missed. Um, so I mean, Terrible. we, we, and so we have man of steel, like that's it. Like in the Superman genre, that's it. Like, that's what we've got. And again, like I said, across the board for Superman, Batman movies, cause that's really all DC's done in terms of their cinematic, their, their cinematic world. Like I won't say universe because that's what they're trying to build now in their cinematic world in their wheelhouse. That's all they've cranked out. And as said, outside of Christopher Nolan's Batman, it didn't do well. And the only reason Christopher Nolan's Batman did well is because Christopher Nolan told them basically what Marvel's getting away with right now, which is Marvel's allowed pretty much to do whatever they want to do. DC gives a little bit of – or not DC. Sorry, Disney gives a little bit of constructive criticism as far as like what they see. I'm sure when they see the test footage and they're like, okay, so we see that you're doing this. Um, here's a couple of little things we're not sure about. Can you clarify that? And I'm almost certain Marvel goes, oh, yeah, let me explain that. Or they go, you're right. That doesn't make sense. We'll fix it. And then they turn out, you know, the Avengers um, or Guardians of the Galaxy. They turn out these amazing movies that are huge blockbuster hits. And that's what Christopher Nolan with the D did with DC and Warner Brothers is he said, I want to make my Batman movie. I want to do it this way. I want to make it unique and I want to make it what I want it to be. And if you're going to say no to that. Y'all can fuck off. Um, otherwise, if you're down with that, I'm going to do what I do best. 
And that's what Christopher Nolan does. He cranks out golden eggs. I mean, it's hard to say that I've seen a Christopher Nolan movie that I didn't think was original or captivating um, because that's just what he does. Now, for me, by the end of the Batman trilogy, he did. Unfortunately, obviously, he probably had other plans for Batman 3 um, that didn't really uh, happen because, uh, unfortunately, we lost a really amazing actor um, between that process. And so I'm sure that really fucked with his plan. Um, but outside of that, the man cranked out golden eggs cause he got to do what he wanted to do. And I don't feel, I feel like DC's trying to do that with Zack Snyder. I just don't feel like it's working out as well because for me, Zack Snyder's not near the caliber of Christopher Nolan. Well, I think, I think that's one of the sure. things that Fox did with Deadpool though, is cause if you, if you listen to any interviews that with the cast or with the director, like they say that, you know, they were making the movie for the fans. They were making it how they wanted to make it. And the studio wanted them to entertain a PG-13. So what that translates into, to me, is they they started making it how they wanted to make it. The studio looked at it, said, this is going to be really raunchy. Tried to step in. Saw how horrible the result was when they stepped in. And then proceeded to step back out in hopes that it would actually make money. And we actually got a, you know, we got a Deadpool movie that we deserve. But the thing is, is I think that's one of the, the banes of, of Fox as a studio is they, they try to put their foot in the door too much when it comes to their properties. Right. Because, I well, mean, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead and finish. I was just going to say, because it, it feels like one of the things you don't see in, in very many Marvel produced movies is that overloaded with villains, uh, you know, curse, I guess. And, and, and Fox has that more than anyone. Like, I mean, I, I sat through the new fantastic four and while, you know, it did not blow my socks off. Um, it wasn't great. It, it wasn't like, I mean, I would still rather sit through that than pixels. But, um, like, I don't know. It's just, you know, I just, when you look at all these studios, it's just, it gives you, there's two ways I view it. There's the way it is now where we have all these different studios and we have the ones that are failing and the ones that are succeeding. And then there's the other pseudo neo-futuristic world that I see where Disney has bought all of them. And they're all on a scheduled plan. And they all are cookie cutter type movies, you know, like they're like, oh, well, we got you now, DC. So what we're going to do is we're going to start with a proper Green Lantern movie and a proper Superman movie and a proper Batman movie. We'll schedule these each a couple months out and so on and so forth. Like, while that's all kind of a fear, it, at the same time, like if they actually had like a little structure and a little plan that, that might do them a little good. So yeah. just my opinion. So Clay, first I'm going to say this. I think you gave Fox too much credit. I think Fox really <laughs> never wanted to make a Deadpool movie and they were bullied into it by the fans. They Fair. said, just, just fucking do it already so we can be done with it. And lo and behold, it makes them $600 million. Good job, Fox. Well, literally, you, you literally did not want to make this movie, and yet 
they're, they're, there's what you get when you stay out of it. So maybe they'll learn something from that. But here's, so let me, there's a lot of things addressed in all of that. We're almost at two hours, so I'm going to try to bring everything back in together. <laughs> it up in a nice little knot before we end. Okay, show. don't forget to mention Brandon Sanderson again. Okay. Um, so here's the thing. The, the, the re, there's a lot of nuance to if either Marvel or DC ever wanted to buy the other one. Um, and there's a lot of nuance to it. There's, th- th- to be quite honest, I don't think it would ever happen because on merchandising alone, both those companies make a ton of money, like more money than it takes to actually run those two companies. Um, and so it, to some extent, um, you may see it ebb and flow over the years, but I believe that Marvel has found a home with Disney um, and DC has been part of Warner Brothers a really, really long time. And at this point, to separate them would be very difficult. But I will say this, Disney would never surprise me. And if one was going to buy the other, I would hope that it was Disney buying DC. Because going back to another thing, the thing that makes that Disney has done well is it's let it's said Marvel look you can do whatever you want but you got to diversify it's like the it's like the slogan of Disney at the moment is diversify because they they get it we've got Pixar that appeals to folks we've got our animated stuff that appeals to folks and now we're making like these these live action reboots that we think are going to do well. And then we've got Netflix and that's doing its own thing. And we've got the main movie stuff and that's doing its own thing. They, they've their, their slogan is diversify. And the only way to do that is to have really talented people and let them do what they do to, to claim these points. And at, and at Disney that has not been, I mean, at DC, and in Warner Brothers, that has not been the case for a long time. The new 52 was a literally one person dictating to creators what they could not, could and could not do with the characters for months on end. And so that, I think, is the real, the real difference. And I think that's why one is doing so much better on the whole than others. The only place that that has worked out for DC has been when Bruce Timm essentially ran their animated division. And you just lucked into having the perfect person do that. And they've kind of lucked into it again now because I think Berlanti is doing some stuff with the TV thing. And it's, it's, it's a hit or miss. And Zack Snyder, what they're doing with him is they're giving him that control and they're saying you get the whole shebang and you're it's and it's not it's not like what marvel's doing which is okay everyone kevin Feige, you kind of get to dictate all of this but you gotta let you know tj miller go be tj miller and james gunn go be james gunn and this and ryan reynolds go be ryan reynolds and um you know they just let everyone be who they are and they're letting they're force feeding everyone else on the DC side to be Snyder or to be whatever. And it's going to, it's going to go bad. I, uh, I, 
I, I just I just but, remembered something, JP. I hate to interrupt, but uh, I I. I remembered something that I wanted to mention. Um, I recently read an article where they asked Olivia Munn Duh. why she thought uh, Deadpool did so well, and what she said. Is this gonna wait before you say this? <laughs> is it gonna ruin my hot chick love of Olivia Munn? Because well, if so, I don't think I want you to tell the, me. The fact that you already have that love is just. I, I, I think I lost a little bit of respect for you, um, which is all I have left. But um, No, like they asked her about her movie and Deadpool and why she thought Deadpool did so well being an R-rated feature. And she said that she thought it was because Ryan Reynolds is so amazing, which that's fair. I can get behind that one. But then yeah. she said she also thinks that it hit a perfect storm. It just it, – it was a very – unique set of circumstances and it hit a perfect storm and she wants that same thing to happen for apocalypse. And I, and I just don't think it's going to happen for apocalypse because those are two different animals like apocalypse and Deadpool are two totally different animals. Like, yes, they're both comic books, but like fundamentally I agree. they're, they're so different. And like, I agree. I don't have anything wrong with what she said. I don't think that's necessarily true, but I could, I don't necessarily have a problem with what you said. I don't. Th I think. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be that way for um, Age of Apocalypse. But really, that's because I question Apocalypse. Everything else about that movie, I'm actually fairly interested in. And the based on the last two movies and the what that cast has been able to do on screen, I'm I'm pretty excited. Um, I'm actually kind of. I'm also sacrilegiously going to say this. I'm actually kind of excited that this is going to be um, Jennifer's last role, last film in that world, because I, I think that she wasn't really great in the last one. And I'm even less excited about her in this one. Well, it looks like she's but, more, more human in this one than she has been in any of the past ones. But, but to some extent, as much as I like her, as much as I like Jennifer Lawrence, I think she's burnt just in general. And um, uh, on that franchise, and I think she's kind of like me. And when you, when your heart's not in in it, you're just don't, not going to do as well, right? So, I think she's at that point. But my point is, all of this goes back to our original conversation, which is, uh, I am really excited that I get to see so many of the things that I care about that aren't in in these in these forms. But to some extent it also subjugates me to bad shit and it becomes it be it in it, it's you just have to take the good with the bad and every once in a while you're going to get a you know man of steel which i actually don't hate i just don't particularly like it um it's like and every day is a future past it's not bad but it's you know Nothing to write home about. Um, but then you're going to get stuff like Guardians of the Galaxy and Deadpool. You know what I mean? And then you're going to get a Fantastic Four. And then you're going to, you know what I mean? So it's, you're going to get this. And I'm going to have to suffer through bad Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies <laughs> to get, um, to get wonderful Deadpool movies. Nice. And, 
because but i for me i think it's all worth it i think it's all worth it and in that sense i i hope that the right people get their hands on certain things i really do hope that the right people have their i i i like brian fuller i think he's i think there's a good chance that he's going to do wonderful with the new star trek tv series and he's or with Star Trek or Star Wars? Um, Star Trek. Star Trek. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to do wonderful there. And I also think that, um, I think that, um, you know, he's going to do wonderful things with American gods. And I, I, I just want to walk up to Zack Snyder and say, please, please get out of your own damn way. Like, just, just get out of your own way. Get out of your own head because your head's a little twisted and we don't need to live in that space. He's, he's um, a little egoy, I think. He, but I'm going to have to suffer through these things, um, and for that reason, I'm internally grateful to to Disney, because there. And this will be my my last comments, and then we can wrap this up. I will forever go back and you know eat crow, and every single one of us. Every comic book fan, every nerd, geek, and everybody, when they announced that Marvel was was being bought out by Disney, and when they announced that Lucasfilm was being bought out by Disney, we all said this said the same thing, which is, well, there goes that boat. Okay, well, uh, it's just it's going to be House of Mouse nonsense. Yeah, and you know what? Every single one of us has been wrong. You know, JP, and I, I, I hate to, I, I hate to interrupt you, but I gotta say when I'm not wrong, and I totally wasn't wrong when, when they bought Star Wars. By then, we had seen what they'd done with Marvel. So when they bought Star Wars, I was legitimately excited for that. I'm not gonna lie. Maybe. Gonna okay, lie. that's like, fair. Like on that there one, was probably enough I, information I, I exact, at that point. I had the exact same feeling as you when they bought Marvel, though, because this was before that we saw what they could do. Uh, and. Yeah. So, and you know, at the time, at well, and and I, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too far, but I, I will eat my crow. And so, it's to answer the question, all the questions that we've posed on this, it's all about if you're, it's all about who, what the source material is and who you give it to. Marvel understands that. Disney understands that. They're doing wonderful things. I think to some extent, DC has lucked into the right folks at the right time and it's worked out for them to varying effects but it's also slowly eating away at my love of some of their characters um and but this is what we're going to have to bear bear in order to if we're going to continue to go down this nostalgia driven um entertainment philosophy that i believe that we've all kind of ended up in this is what we're going to have to deal with. And you know what? I'm not entirely opposed to it. Someone go make a freaking American vampire TV show already. Let's let's do that next. That's that's my thing. Um So, final words, Ro? Any last words for the folks? Um at the end of the day, I mean, I think I think we've hit on a lot of really great points. Um obviously, we're if 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 anybody listening hasn't gathered this, we're we're all really passionate uh, about any of the franchises. 
Um, at the end of the day, uh, when we talk about uh, book to movie, um, comic to movie, comic to show, book to show, things like that, I think we, we really hit it on the head with um, allow uh, allow these franchises, allow, allow the writers, allow the original content um, creators, allow them to have free reign a little bit like 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 don't don't choke up on it so much you know let let them let them have their creative abilities to to create something amazing and wonderful and and majority of the time i'd say easily 85 percent of the time we get something great and 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 we all deserve that couldn't have said it better calamity no no i remember he he took all the words all of the words so i mean just that i mean yeah I mean, creative. He has all of the best words. He does have all of the best <laughs> words. I mean, really, when it, comes like down to, when it comes down to brass tacks, JP and Roman, um, the thing that gets in Hollywood's way more often than not, if I had to say it, is greed. Because greed can hinder creativity. Really, when it comes down to it, you have to have the ability to flourish with the imagination. You have to have the ability to go the directions that your subject matter goes and if you if you try to limit that because of certain concerns just to make money um i i would say that's the thing that that really has hindered us more than anything uh in the enjoyment of the things that we like yeah i agree um yeah so i i'm good i i have nothing to add to what these two gentlemen just said with that here's what i will say um if you like what what we did tonight you can tweet me at j-a-p-a-d-u-a um, I I probably should change my Twitter handle to something a little easier at some point. Hey, my, my uh, at calamity for five thousand JP. So at calamity five thousand, so much easier. And at Roman on the rocks, right, Ro? Uh, yeah. Uh, you can find me at Roman on the rocks, and uh, my website apparently is junk. So don't even try to look up my website right now. <laughs> I'm okay. looking at it right now on my phone. It won't come up. <laughs> That's the problem. Uh, <laughs> So with that, I want to also encourage everybody, um, the wonderful Maniacal Geek, where this is posted. Uh, Sam is fantastic. Support her in every way. She is brilliant. Um, I'm also going to once again remind everybody to go on the Netflix, watch all of the Young Justice episodes your brain can possibly consume so that Netflix will give us a third season of that. And I'm going to tease that next episode is going to have a lot of video game talk. Um, so if you if you come back for more you're probably going to get some video game talk next um there's some good stuff on the horizon that i know all three of us are either actively in or going to be actively in a very short um time period so i'll tease that with you i'll say thank you for listening whatever this gets named it's fantastic listen to it much more much more and with that we'll say good night everybody Bye.